Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Joshua chapter 6. And um, man, I, I, you know, I keep going in week to week. I don't really do series very often as let me say, let me put it this way. I intentionally don't do series necessarily. Sometimes we, we do that, and I know that it's going to be something we'll break down. But a lot of times I just go week to week, Holy Spirit, what do you have? What do you want to say? And um, for the last several weeks, he's just had us on this tangent of enduring, lasting, finishing. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, it's almost November. Can you believe it? Some of you uh, Christmas crazy people are already counting down the days. You've already hit up Hobby Lobby and bought out the Christmas section at Walmart and done all that silly stuff. I mean, we're close. We're there. 2019, snap of a finger, blink of an eye. Where did it go, right? And uh, here we are at the end of the year. And so um, it is a great time to be talking about finishing and finishing well. Amen? Finishing strong, finishing and outlasting, withstanding um, is not just what you do, but it's how you do it. And so we've been talking about how God wants us to finish, how God wants us to complete our race, complete our course, complete our cycle. Let me even put it this way, complete your season. Complete your season. You know, we, we operate in seasons, Amen. You know, we don't see much seasons, much seasonal type weather down here, much seasonal type activity, you know, in South Georgia, um, but uh, our lives are made up of seasons, and how you leave one season is how you go into the next. How you complete one or finish one um, has a lot to say about how you go into the next season of your life. So I don't know, maybe someone in this room is coming to the close, coming to the end completion of a season. You're sensing that, you're knowing that. Maybe some of you are just getting started in a new season. And um, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But these are some great words to know in advance. These are some great words uh, to be hearing and listening to, even as you're starting on a new journey. Amen? And so we actually catch up with the Israelites here in Joshua chapter six as they're getting ready to enter into a new season. Just to get you caught up in um, uh, the book of Exodus. Well, you know, why don't we just go back to the beginning. Book of Genesis. uh, God promises Abraham that he is going to be a father of what? Many nations. That many nations would come from him. Not just one child, but many nations. A people. A people that belong to him. His very own special people. The Israelites. The nation of Israel are going to descend or come from uh, Abraham. And so uh, Abraham, by faith, too old to even have kids, has a child beginning with Isaac. And then from there, uh, we've got Jacob and Esau. And, and, and then we eventually get to Joseph. And once we get to Joseph, uh, God does something amazing that uh, uh, famine comes over the land and they actually become enslaved by the people of Egypt. Come on, you guys know this. I'm just giving you a little recap, catching us up. They end up enslaved to the people of Egypt and God told them, warned them ahead of time that they will be enslaved to a people of a far distant land, uh, but I'm going to send a deliverer. That deliverer's name was Moses. Moses comes, delivers the people by 10 plagues, eventually convinces Pharaoh to let his people go. And uh, so then they end up crossing the Red Sea there, uh, ultimately, the goal was not just to leave Egypt, but to enter Canaan. Hello? Your goal's not, God isn't just trying to get you out of something, he's trying to get you into something. And sometimes we get so focused on what we want God to deliver us from that we lose sight of what we want God to deliver us to. And God doesn't want to just set you free or bring you out of slavery or bondage or being you know, locked away uh, to another people group. God wants you to rule and reign and take over stuff. That's what he's designed for you. That's what he's called you to do. God isn't just trying to get you out of something, get you out of hell. He's trying to get you into a kingdom. Amen. 
y'all are quiet tonight. We're going to have to really boost this thing up. Uh, but um, so Joshua uh, chapter 6, the nation of Israel has died off. Their children, their descendants that were raised in the wilderness that didn't know anything of slavery, didn't know anything of bondage, didn't know anything of being stuck in Egypt because this is what happens is uh, God will get us out of something, but he can't get something out of us. So he got them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. They continued to live like slaves, even though Red Seas are being parted and water's coming out of rocks and, 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 and breakfast is showing up on the ground. Birds are bringing dinner. Uh, I, I mean, just incredible miracles and signs and wonders that God is doing for these people. And they complain, they're bitter. They wanna eventually go back to the bondage that God just set them free from. Come on now. They remained slaves in their minds, in their mentalities. So God had to raise up a whole nother generation, but there was two guys, Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua didn't believe the lie. Caleb and Joshua didn't believe the bad report. Caleb and Joshua stood by the promise of God that he will bring us into the promised land. We are well able, Caleb said. And so now we have the book of Joshua. The nation of Israel's leadership has now been handed over from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is leading this group. And in Joshua chapter one, you guys know God tells them, hey, this is the land everywhere your foot treads. It's already yours. I've given it to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Honor my word. Stay by my word. And you will see the salvation of the Lord. So now we get to Joshua chapter six. And again, we're talking about Endurance. We're talking about finishing well, finishing strong. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, everyone say, See, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Verse three, he gives instruction. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And then eventually he says, you'll go around on the seventh day and you're gonna march seven times on the seventh day. The very first battle that the uh, people of Israel, the new generation of Israel, Israel 2.0, if you will, uh, the very first battle they come to fight is a town called Jericho. Now, Jericho is not very big. Jericho is really only about seven acres. That's the size of the land. Most of the inhabitants of Jericho lived in the uh, uh, outer skirts of this walled city, lived in the country lands and those type of things. But their city was very well fortified. Their city was on this wall. It was wide enough that they could even have chariot races on the top of the wall. That's how thick this wall was. And they would uh, uh, retreat inside of these walls uh, as a defense mechanism, as a tactic to ward off enemies, secure themselves, keep themselves safe. And so... Uh, this was the very first city. God is, God is a God of precedence. God is a God of, of setting things in order, setting things in motion. I don't believe that it was any uh, 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 coincidence that Jericho was the first battle, that there is something we can learn here from this battle at Jericho and coming upon this land of Jericho. Remember, we've come out of Egypt. Now we're going into Canaan. And the first land, first territory that they come across is this land, this city, of Jericho. There's three things I want us to learn tonight. There are three reasons why we don't endure. And I believe they're found here uh, in this story of Jericho. Three reasons why we don't endure. And I want to highlight those tonight. And I want us to learn and be able to put these things into practice so that we can endure, we can persevere, we can outlast uh, the challenges, struggles, and seasons of life. Reason number one, reason number one why we don't endure is lost perspective. Lost perspective. 
lost perspective. Right here in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it shows us something, reveals us something that's very interesting. It says this in the New King James, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of, everyone say because of, I would, if you got a Bible out, I would highlight that, underline it, circle it, parentheses, stars, whatever you got to do. Because there was a reason why the wall went up. There was was a reason why these walls are so thick. There's a reason why this town is so fortified. There's a reason why. And the reason why Jericho was so well fortified was because of the Israelites. If only the 12 spies that had gone into the promised land in Numbers chapter 13 had known that. If only they had known that. If only they knew that their enemy was more afraid of them than they were of their enemy. It's lost perspective. You've seen it before, but Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, we can throw that up there. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 32. This was the bad report uh, that came back. Do we have that? Numbers 13, 32. And they gave the children of Israel, this is those 12 spies, 10 of them came back with a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Watch this though. And so we were in their sight. Now again, you've heard us say this before. You never consult your enemy to determine your identity. But this was the issue. They didn't consult their enemy. They put an assumption uh, in their mind of what they thought was in the enemy's mind. They actually were even more dangerous than viewing themselves through their enemy's lens. They viewed themselves through the assumption of their enemy's lens. Because Joshua chapter 6 shows us something different. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 shows us that the people within the land of Canaan were fearful of the land of Israel. They had heard about the God that brought 10 plagues in Israel. They had heard about the God that caused the sea to swallow up Pharaoh and his men. They had heard about the God that had caused them to win battle after battle and victory after victory in a land of wilderness. They had heard about slaves, a nation of slaves that overtook the greatest nation of all at that time, which was was Egypt and the Egyptians. I mean, we're not talking about a small feat. We're talking about slaves that had been enslaved for four generations, over 400 years of slavery. Not a couple weeks, not a couple years, not just one generation, but generation after generation after generation that by the time we get to this group that's being delivered, that Moses delivers, they don't know anything else but slavery. Well, my dad was a slave and my granddad was my slave. And my great-granddad was a slave, right? This is what we do. We use our past to determine our future. And so at this point, they couldn't even see the blessed nation that God had called them to be. All they saw was slavery and bondage. But the problem is, that's how they saw themselves. Their enemy actually saw them according to, and this is the thing, they didn't see these things happened. They heard that these things had happened. They heard a word. This nation overthrew Egypt. Their God opened up the Red Sea and it swallowed Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at that time. The most powerful man on the planet died in a sea that swallowed him up when the people that crossed before went across on dry land. I mean, get a glimpse of this. They heard about manna. They heard about battles. They heard about victories. They heard about water out of the rock. They heard that this land that they were currently in, the people of Jericho, wasn't even their land. And someday somebody was coming to escort them out of it. 
They knew it was going to happen. And so they did everything in their defenses that they possibly could. Let's build a wall so thick they can't get through it. We're going to put up a fight. And so these Israelites, when they go in, because they lost perspective, they see the strength of their enemy's walls rather than the strength of their God. And this is what happens to us. We start out with the promise. We start out with the blessing. But then our wilderness season brings us discouragement and brings us uh, trials and challenges and problems that cause us to wane in our perseverance and wane in our endurance. Number one, because we lose perspective. Because we place a priority on the challenge that's in front of us than the God that is for us. And this is what happened. They lost perspective. The first point I want to make, until we change our perspective, nothing else will change. Until you change how you see it, what you see will never change. See, you have to change how you see it before you change what you see. You have to change how you view it. If only they had the same perspective their enemy had. <laughs> can, I, can I just tell you something tonight? The devil is more afraid of you than you are of him. Not only that, the devil knows more about you than you know about yourself. The devil knows how strong you are. That's why he's built the wall. The devil knows how, uh, uh, how much authority and power you've been given as a kingdom citizen. And so he wants you to think that you're a sinner saved by grace. He wants you to think that you're below certain things. He wants you to think. He will talk you out of your identity. He will talk you out of your purpose. He will talk you out of your plan. None of it's real, but as long as you believe it, you can't ever walk. You'll never live above your revelation. You'll never live above your revelation. You'll never live beyond what you know the word of God says about you. It's impossible. It's impossible. So this perspective issue is, is, is a major deal. This perspective issue was a problem. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. Their enemy saw them as a mighty nation coming to take us out of here. And honestly, they knew it was gonna happen. They knew their walls were defenseless. They knew that their walls couldn't do anything about it. They knew. Because if their God can get them across Red Sea, if their, if their God can swallow up the enemy, if their God can do this, and if their God can do that, then we've, we're no match. Us and our gods are no match. Your enemy's more afraid of you than you are. But when we lose our perspective, we lose our victory. When we lose our perspective, we lose our victory. You know this about Abraham in Romans chapter four. Keep your finger in Joshua chapter six, but in Romans chapter four, we see a very important detail about how we can keep our perspective fixed on the promise. See, there's, there's always two things. There is no promise without a problem. There is no promise without a problem. Because the problem existed before the promise did. The problem existed before the promise did. The problem isn't counteracting the promise. The promise is counteracting the problem. Y'all remember Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, man fell. Genesis chapter three, man sinned. And God gives a promise the father god right there immediately after man blew it he gives a promise there will be a woman and her seed will destroy your seed you'll bruise his heel but he will crush your head the promise jesus was in response to the problem the enemy 
So what we have to understand is, it, is, is that it's not God gives us a promise and then the enemy shows up and says, oh, I'm going to try to stop this. No, you were given a promise to thwart the problem of the enemy. That's the whole reason the promise existed is because there was a problem. But look at this in, in Romans chapter 4, what it says about Abraham. Verse 18 says, who contrary to hope, in hope, Believe. That means regardless of what he saw, he remained fixed on the promise. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, watch this, he did not consider his own body. He did not consider. Now here's what I want you to know. Consider or did not consider doesn't mean ignore. It means I don't focus on it. not telling you to ignore the problem. I'm telling you to shift your focus on the promise. The problem is not greater than the promise. God's promises are always greater than any problem you'll ever occur, any challenge you'll ever come across. And so our endurance, our perseverance begins to wane. It begins to get strained. It begins to fall away. We begin to fall off. Why? Because we lose perspective. We fix our focus on the problem rather than remaining focused on the promise. The next time you encounter a problem, you just remind yourself, that's why I'm here. The next time you encounter an issue, a struggle, a trial, a challenge, you just remind yourself, that's why I'm here. If there wasn't a problem, we wouldn't need you. Come on now. You, you, are, design, you are a problem killer. You are a solution to the problem. That's how God sees you. And so we've got to get a perspective of God's promise being greater than any problem that can come against us. There's no problem that can come against you when you have the promise that is for you. Amen. And so we lose our perspective. And when we lose our perspective, we begin to wane in our endurance. Reason number two, why we don't endure. Reason number two, unseen progress. Unseen progress. Going back to Joshua chapter six. Uh, verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, you see that right there? Now, Joshua could have easily responded and said, no, I don't see. I see a city that's well fortified. I see a city that has a massive structure between us and them. Uh, you're saying you gave this into this land into our hand, but it's not in our hand. There's a problem here, God. So again, you've got to shift your perspective. You've got to begin to see it the way God sees it. But look what he says in verse 3. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. Six days. Six days of what? Literally walking in circles. Six days of literally walking in circles. That is like the complete opposite of progress. Like we're not, even, we're not going forward, we're not going backward, we're not gaining ground, we're not retreating, we're, not, we're literally walking in circles for six days. And then on the seventh day, they were commanded to do it seven times. Double for your trouble. We're gonna double up on this thing and we're gonna go, uh, you know, everything you did in the last six days, we're gonna do it all today, walking around in circles. Because this is the thing, progress isn't always obvious. Progress isn't always obvious. We, we have an idea of what progress looks like. We have an idea of what progress feels like. We have an idea of what progress sounds like. So what do we do when it feels like every step forward is a step backward? 
What do we do when it feels like I'm circling around this thing and I'm looking at the same structure every day for six days? And I'm, I'm doing the same thing every day. What, what, what does that feel like when you're praying for the same thing and you come back around and you get the same report and the, the situation is the same, it feels the same, possibly even worse? But this is why progress is so important. This is why this verse is so important. Because God is more interested in your obedience than he is in your deliverance. I'll say that again. God is more interested in your obedience than he is in your deliverance. I mean, sure. You really think about it. Nothing they did had any impact on the walls coming down. Literally. They're walking, and then we know on the last day, they're shouting. And God's battle plan, God's strategy, God's God's strategic plan is literally waiting, walking, and no talking. And he calls them. He even says... Verse three, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. But see, this is the problem is we want to fall back on what, on how we think we can fix it. I'm a man of war. So God would send me in to what? Fight a battle. And God says, no, no, no. We're not gonna do it your way. We're going to obey a command of waiting, walking, no talking, and eventually shouting. Out of those four things, had nothing to do with their skill, had nothing to do with their ability to to wield a a sword or a spear, Uh, you know, all the training. you're, You're a man of war, not because you call yourself a man of war, you're a man of war because you've trained yourself in warfare. That's my skill, that's my ability. What happens, how do we, uh, 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 go through the process, how do we see progress in our life when God's using something that we're not very good at? Why? Because it's easy to trust in my ability when God uses my strength and what I'm good at and what I'm capable of. But what about when God asks a man of war to walk? What do you do then? See, this is important. Because progress to God doesn't always look like progress to us. Failure to us might be success to him. King Saul learned this. King Saul had to learn that obedience was even better than sacrifice. This is what the Lord gave me. He said this. The miracle, I believe that we have this on on the screen for you. The miracle is what God does for you. Obedience is what God does in you. The miracle is what God does for you. And see, that's where a lot of us live, is we want God to do stuff for us. But what if God was more interested in doing a work in you and through you than he was at doing a work for you. I mean, if you want a miracle, if you want water out of a rock, if you want Red Seas to part, and you have little to no participation whatsoever, in fact, God blessed them in the wilderness in spite of their complaining, in spite of their attitude, in spite of their bitter whining, in spite of their desire to return back to Egypt. He still brought water out of a rock. Look, if you want a miracle, God can do miracles. But he might be doing a miracle in your life at the expense of developing you. Do you want a a miracle or do you want development? Again, this is the first battle. He's trying to set precedence. Hey, you're gonna have to trust me 
in uncanny ways to fight the battle. You're going to have to trust me when, when I, I go off the cuff and it, it's, it's, it's not according to your program and according to your skill and according to your ability because I'm not just going to use you according to how you think I can move in your life. I'm going to use you according to what I want to produce in you that you don't even know is there. There's a trust being developed. There's, there's a faith that's going to be built here. Not faith that water can come out of a rock, but faith that something can come out of me. Because God's not just trying to change the stuff around you. He's trying to change the stuff that's in you. Come on now. And so progress, we have this unseen progress. You know, every step in a circle when it's in obedience to God is a step forward. It doesn't matter where the step takes you. You can walk backwards in obedience to God and accomplish way more than you could moving forward out of obedience. God's idea of up and down, forward and backward, progress and retreat looks a lot different than ours. And so the second thing that kills our endurance, the second thing that destroys our ability to persevere and endure and outlast and uh, and finish the race that God has for us is this measure of unseen progress. The obedience factor, you you cannot short circuit that. You cannot. God is looking for your faith and your trust to be developed more than for you to be delivered. Amen? So we have to recognize many times the work that God is wanting to do is not necessarily around us, but within us. All right. So number one, we have uh, this issue of lost perspective. We, we begin to lose sight of God's problem, our promise. We focus on the problem. We see ourselves through our enemy's eyes. We gain an inaccurate identity of who we are. And until we change our perspective, nothing else will change. Number two, we have to confront this idea of progress. What does it mean to move forward with God? Because God isn't just wanting to miraculously deliver us, but he's wanting to develop us through trust, through trust faith and obedience in him. Number three, the third way that we derail our endurance is discouraged perseverance. Discouraged perseverance. Lost perspective, unseen progress, and now discouraged perseverance. Now, when God was talking in verses one, two, and three, he's talking to one man, Joshua, he's the leader. God's talking to one person. He's not taking a vote. He's not bringing this before the board and trying to get an idea of if they think it's a good, uh, good time to go in. God's commanding them. He's already told them everywhere you're, the sole of your foot treads, that land is yours, it belongs to you. But he's talking to one man, Joshua. So the whole rest of the camp and the whole rest of the people don't know about this conversation. They only know what Joshua tells them. They only know what Joshua reveals. So I want you to jump down with me to Joshua chapter 6. And I want you to look at verse 10. And look at the words that Joshua gives to the people. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth, watch this, until the day I say to you, shout. Until the day I say to you, shout. So Joshua goes in knowing This thing is going to go seven days. Six days, we're we're going to walk around once. The seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. But the Israelites don't know that. The Israelites are going in blind. The Israelites only know on the day that Joshua tells us, whenever that is, that could be on day one, 
That could be on day two. That could be on day five. That could be on day 10, right? It's easy to outlast a lot of times when you know the end, right? It's easy to, to, to finish when you know you're almost there. But how many times do we give up because we can't see the end, but yet we were right up on it if we would have just known? And so what happens is, is our perseverance gets discouraged. Our perseverance gets hindered right when we're on the cusp of our miracle. Don't stop on six. Don't stop on six. Don't stop. Keep going. How long do I stand in faith, Pastor Mark, until you get it? How long do I pray until you see it? How long do I stand, uh, you know, for my, for my marriage or for my health or for, until it comes to pass. If you've received the promise, you don't quit until you've received the promise, until the promise has been fulfilled. How many times do we give up, we shut down, we pull away right before the miracle was about to show up in our life? Now, I was in my office preparing this message and Chase came in and he had no idea what I was ministering on, had no idea what I was about to preach on. And just out of nowhere, he says, you know, the other day I was reading in the book of Exodus and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And right there on Exodus, I was like, you're, you're in my stuff already. So I was reading the other day in Exodus. Exodus chapter 14 is where God delivers the Israelites through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15 is Moses singing a song in praise, rejoicing in worship for the deliverance of the people through the Red Sea. And he points out something specifically to what? I mean, it was as if he knew exactly what I was about to minister and just say, hey, here's an extra little tidbit for you. This will help really get your point across. He didn't know that, but this is how the Holy Spirit works. So Exodus chapter 15, go there with me. I want to show you something. Exodus chapter 15. They've just crossed the Red Sea. They've literally, the last child, the last person comes across that Red Sea and they literally turn around and they watch the Red Sea swallow up the enemy. They just crossed on dry ground. The waters come in and they see the, the, uh, 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 the, the chariot, pieces of the chariots start floating to the top. They see the Egyptian army floating to the top. They see Pharaoh flow, float up to the top. God just delivered them. God just set them free. Look at this in Exodus chapter 15. And well, I didn't even type it in here. See, he was just telling me and I didn't even... Type it in. I just started researching it. Exodus chapter 15, and we want to look at verse 14. Exodus 15, verse 14. This is Moses singing a song immediately after the Red Sea has swallowed up their enemy. Look at what he says. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. This is all the enemy of the Canaan land that they're getting ready to go conquer. The mighty men of Moab, trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. 
Moses, by his word, as soon as he came, I mean, there is nothing like the feeling of rejoicing and the feeling that you can conquer the world when you just saw God do a miracle in your life. When you just came, came across that Red Sea, you just beat that addiction. You just co- conquered the enemy trying to work in your marriage. You just saw that person you've been praying for come to the Lord and you saw a lost loved one commit their life to Christ. There's nothing within you that's greater than the rejoicing and the fervor you had that, man, if he did it then, he'll do it here. And that's what Moses is saying before the whole group of people. We just watched our enemy behind us float in the water. Now we're getting ready to see God conquer the people in front of us. Yeah, it's easy to rejoice when you've just come out of a miracle. It's easy to sing songs like that. It's easy to feel like you can conquer the world when you've just seen God do what he just did. But the question is, how long will that last? In fact, we don't even make it to the end of this chapter. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They went three days. You just saw water destroy your enemy. And now you're complaining about the very thing that God just used to defeat your enemy. They're complaining three days. They have forgotten about the floating Pharaoh. Three days and they have forgotten. They have completely lost sight of the the people of Canaan being overcome. I mean, they can't even fight their enemy because now they're fighting themselves. They have to win the battle in here before they can ever fight the battle out there. And so now, They haven't even lasted three days. Furthermore, the scripture that I read you at the beginning in Numbers chapter 13, when they sent in those spies, just so you know, uh, I I wasn't able to find a lockdown. This is the time frame, but we do know this. That was within the first three months. Maybe some of you theologians or scholars in here could, could, could really lock me in on this, but it was within the first three months after crossing the Red Sea that they sent those spies into the promised land. In fact, the 40-year countdown didn't even begin. The 40-year countdown of wandering in the wilderness did not even begin until after those spies came back. So really they wandered in that wilderness 40 years and about three months. That was at the beginning of their lesson. Not even three months later from rejoicing and saying, God will melt the inhabitants of Canaan. He'll bring fear upon the inhabitants of Philistia. The, The inhabitants of Edom will tremble when we pass over and when we inhabit this land. Not even three months later, they're looking at the inhabitants of that land and saying, we're just grasshoppers. Discouraged perseverance. Let me tell you, if, if you need a miracle in your life, to remind you of God's faithfulness and to remind you that is a worn out way to live. That is a worn out way to live. Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37 gives us instruction. This discouraged perseverance. Psalms 37 and verse 34. Psalms 37, verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, 
you shall see it. Keep, persevere, maintain, push through, press on. These are the words of the scripture. The scripture doesn't promise you anything immediately. The scripture doesn't say much about this immediacy of life that we live in today. But the, ver- but the word has a lot to say about enduring, pressing, pushing, maintaining, keeping, staying, fixed, focused. That's the word of God to us today. In a day and age where we immediately forget the miracle that's right behind us. No, God is not gonna continue bringing miracle after miracle and blessing after blessing in your life as a result of your lack of belief. He'll bring blessing and miracles in your life as a result of your ability to remain fixed in his promise, to persevere. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says it this way in the New King James, therefore, Do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. What has a great reward? My doubt or my confidence? Confidence. Sometimes our doubt, we, 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 because God is gracious, guys, God is merciful, but you are getting rewarded for your doubt and that will wane, that will run out, that will not cause you to last in these last days. No, he says, do not cast away your confidence because your confidence has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, not before. It's not receive the promise. Okay, God, I'll obey. I'll I'll stay fixed. No, remain and then you will see the promise. After you've done the will of God. The message reads it this way. Remember those early days after you first saw the light. Those were the hard times. Kicked around in public. Targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you. Other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute, but anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy, but we're not quitters who lose out. Oh no, we'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. This is the thing you have to understand. Confidence creates perseverance. Perseverance strengthens endurance. You'll never persevere if you don't remain confident in the promise. And if we don't persevere, we will not endure. Perseverance strengthens your endurance. Staying with it, sticking with it, staying in the plan, not allowing bitter water to, to, to wane or, or, or to begin to deflate your confidence. There's, it's these trials. It's guys, it's our wilderness seasons. The wilderness seasons. And can I even put it to you this way? I'm bold enough to say this. The wilderness was not the enemy. It was God. The wilderness was not the enemy. It was God. Because God's wanting to make sure that slaves don't inhabit the promised land. The wilderness is how you get weeded out. Even Jesus had to go to a wilderness. And Jesus met the enemy in the wilderness but he wasn't led into the wilderness by the enemy. The word actually tells us that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit to overcome the enemy. 
God knew who was in there. The Father knew what Jesus would encounter. Jesus went into the wilderness to get rid of the problem, not to be moved by the problem. So here we are blaming the devil for our wilderness when God's saying, no, this is my training ground. No, this is where I prove my strength to you. No, this is where I make sure that you get rid of Egypt so you can rule and reign and not act like a slave in a land that you should be conquering and overcoming. No, the wilderness is strategic. The wilderness season, and if we aren't careful and we lose our perspective, our our perseverance wanes, our endurance gets clogged up, we'll see the the wilderness as as an attack from the enemy rather than a training ground from God. We lose it. Amen. Ultimately, God's not just wanting to bring you out of something. He's wanting to bring you into something. And so we have to endure. We have to press on. Guys, I, I, I can't encourage you enough. I can't. Our confidence, our faith, our trust in him, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the struggles, in spite of the trials, He's strengthening you. He's doing a work in you. He he is bringing something to pass in your life. He's doing something on the inside of you that you can never do for yourself. So don't give up. Don't quit. Let God stir you up. Let God strengthen you because there's something greater on the other side. There are territories to claim. There are lands to, to, to conquer. There are enemies to punish and remove. And God needs you in this earth to accomplish that assignment. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.